On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs for the second week in a row. We are going to be talking about the wonderful situation and event that was the Bare Naked Ladies pilot for TV. I have a number of reasons for this, one of which was we were able to get Brent last week, um, and which was wonderful. And I don't want to like wait like months and months to then come back to this. Uh, I had considered like doing this as an April Fool's episode, but I was like, no, I, I don't want to hold off. I really want to talk about this this pilot. And so joining me tonight, I have Jeff. Thank you for joining me, Jeff. Jeff Not McGuire. a problem. Hello, everyone. So why don't we get right into it and we can just, what is your general impression of this <laughs> pilot that was filmed by Fox back in 2002? I'm going to share a little bit of information for people who haven't heard the interview last week with Brent Carpenter, who was the co-director and the editor of this pilot. Uh, if you haven't heard that episode yet, please go back and listen to that. He is full of great stories, uh, several of which also connect to either Weird Al or to what? Ringo Starr. Oh yes, I can't wait to share that. That's gonna be wonderful. But on top of it, he tells some great stories of, matter of fact, we spent almost the entire time talking about this pilot. Uh, and one of the important things I think is really important to, re- to know is that the writers of this pilot, the unmentioned writers, were two of the writers for Seinfeld, um, who then left the show. And that's why we got Michael Richards on this pilot. Somewhat positively, but also negative. If this had become a full-fledged TV show, we would not have had them writing Curb Your Enthusiasm in the league because that's what they went on to write after they wrote this pilot. It's good that they didn't continue this series because, I mean, Curb Your Enthusiasm and the league were amazing TV shows. Right. But on on the other note, like, I really wish that we had this TV show. (laughs) So why don't we get into this 2002 interesting document? <laughs> what were your first impressions, Jeff? Oh, this was a find. Um, I, I, had, I had no idea this thing existed until you, uh, you, sent, me, uh, you sent me the link and uh, you gave me the bare bones idea of what, what to expect from it. it was, <laughs> I was very pleasantly surprised. I think I, uh, I pulled it up um, sitting at my dining room table my wife was nearby uh, with the one-year-old, and I'm just laughing hysterically the whole time um, <laughs> for all the right reasons and for some weird ones. <laughs> but um, so I want to definitely get around to the weird ones. <laughs> def, def, yeah, definitely the weird ones. And, and I wish I could have uh, um, been there for the uh, the interview. I don't I don't like to miss a B and O interview, and usually I I purposely plan on having no life, so I'm ready to go anytime <laughs> you. Tell me you have an interview, so I'm 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 ready. But uh, so that, because that would have been a lot of fun. But yeah, my my overall opinion was it was a really fun episode. It was my kind of humor, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I could have seen them could have I mean could have seen them extending this and and doing something with it. Well, um, as I as I mentioned to Brent, he explained a little bit about why he he thinks that was never picked up. 
but I don't understand why this was not picked up. You, yeah, I don't want see... you to rehash things like everyone's listened to a week ago because I right I'm late to the party. But uh, I I do want to ask like why why does he think it wasn't get, why, uh, picked up? It, this was before cable TV for the most part. Like there was there was cable TV, but it was very small, very sporadic. Uh, Comedy Central, for example, had not taken off at this point. It was there, but it did, hadn't really become what it was going to become. It was PSP, um, pre-South Park. Got it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and so it, it really hadn't exploded. I mean, it, South Park was out, but none of this other stuff had exploded yet. It was mostly just stand-up TV at that point. Um, and other channels also weren't, like, major players at this point that they are now. Um, so you pretty much had your four basics that were there, and if they oh, didn't memories. like it, then they then you didn't go. And they didn't do a lot of the riskier stuff. And there is some uh, pretty risque stuff in this pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and dare say, I think it would have gotten even more risque had they decided to put it into a full fledged TV show. I think they should have. And and he agrees, uh, you know, for, having for done... the time, yeah. I mean, I mean, nowadays looking back, I don't know if they really. Um, oh, I don't know. I they get a lot. They get away with a lot on TV. Every once in a while, you think, um, no, they're not going to push the boundaries anymore. Then they do. Then they don't. But yeah, there's there's stuff in there that was <laughs> <laughs> the Michael Richards scene alone. The Michael Richards scene. <laughs> Which we will get to. Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, we'll get to that. That was unexpected. <laughs> Let's walk our way through this. And then we'll give it a rating. Okay. Zero to five. Um, I do want to say, once again, it's a pilot. We have to zero remember to five that this clocks. is a pilot. That's right. Zero to five <laughs> clocks. <laughs> um, so I love that the first line of this whole pilot is, it's not what you're thinking. Unless you're thinking that it's really weird. It's not what you're thinking. Unless you're thinking that it's really weird. Right. <laughs> like the, they're going to set yeah. your off. <laughs> <laughs> like, so yeah, I'm, it, I'm assuming it, that pretty much everything that was in the song, except for the obvious uh, uh, incidental music and, and um, the ending song, obviously, one week. I'm guessing, I'm guessing most of this was written for this episode, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and matter of fact, some of the backup music was even done by the band as well. Some of the, the episode music um, that's in the background, you know, Jim, at one point, they, they actually were like, oh, we need, some, we need some more music here in the background. Jim's like, oh, I got my bass in the car. Let me go get it. Um, right. <laughs> and just add stuff in. So... Even the soundtrack of the episode is sometimes the Bare Naked Ladies. Right. My first thought with this, and my thought that kept reoccurring throughout this whole thing, um, and excuse my voice, people. Um, actually, I recorded last night with Brent, and so my voice is <laughs> doing its best tonight, but it will crack often. Um, my first thoughts when, <laughs> when we were recording this, and or when we were watching it, this is the monkeys brought into the 2000s. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that's... <laughs> and, and as a big fan of the monkeys, like, totally makes sense here. Right. I uh, like yeah. how it's a loose premise. It's a very loose storyline. It's there to kind of highlight the music, but also tell a lot of jokes. Now, now, was there there was ad libbing here? Definitely, right? This was there was improv. <laughs> well, there was a script, but the guys weren't really great with the script at times, and so whenever there was some not quite perfect lines, they just went with it. Okay. 
You can see that. <laughs> yes. Um, and the other thing is they just let Harlan go. They're like, okay, yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> like, I don't know how much of it was written and how much it wasn't. Um, but I, I have to say that he, at one point he comes up with nicknames for the band members. And my when, favorite was Johnny Jingle Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Fog hat. Still, for some reason, hits me as funny. <laughs> Fog hat, Johnny Jingle Nuts. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> it was good so, to see Har- It was good to see Harlan again. You know, uh, after showing up in uh, Falling for the first time. You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we get we it start the the video starts out. It, it, by the way, we're gonna break this down. We're gonna spoil it. So if you haven't watched it, go into the liner yeah. notes. Look at the video. Watch the video. Um, I've watched it probably about 10 times this t- at this point because I love this. <laughs> um, and it doesn't get old for me. But yeah, stop now, go back, watch it, and then then come back to this. They, I love that the music is very much written for this, as you were saying, Jeff. So you have like the beginning, which is them just introing what the show is going to be, as well as them spoofing yep. and calling, you know, saying random things and random facts that you're going to learn about the band. You have to watch the show, you'll never get to know that Tyler's got a giant melon, Kevin is a former felon, Jimmy's always got a hobby, Birch by City, I'm Hormel, Robbie, Steven, Ed, Matt, and the ladies, call their band band naked ladies, stay tuned folks, cause we're just trying to bug you. Kevin is a former felon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I wrote that down in my notes. I I take notes every time I do anything. And that, I think that's one of the first notes I wrote on this thing because I was laughing so hard at that. I wanted a shot of Kevin in that moment of like what his response was to me saying that. (laughs) Oh, no, he's all all smiling. He's owning it. He's like, yep, I'm pretty much. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, it goes right into the first scene. Yeah, no. <laughs> literally the first scene is them walking off stage into the first scene. Yep, as they're walking on, as they're walking down, as you know, walking down the steps, they're already talking. They're leading into the first scene. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I make no secrets about the fact that I'm a I'm a huge Kevin fan. I love Kevin Hearn, and uh, oh, yeah. so getting to see his performance in this, I mean, I I maybe I'm biased, but I think he had some of the best lines, the best stuff to do in here. But and we'll we'll get to some of those. But uh, yeah, so the getting getting that that first initial treat of Kevin as a former felon that was that was a big hit for me. <laughs> and then they walk up. To- they walk from one scene where they intro the show into their first song, pretty much. Like, within a minute, they're right into their first song. Which, to me, feels like... <laughs> it feels like those, you know, improv moments that they're known for, where they'll just... Uh, they'll, they'll start a story, and next thing you know, they're, they're doing this song basically impromptu on the stage. And uh, that's what this one felt like with the women's pants. It was... <laughs> oh, yeah. Women's pants make Steve dance. Not singing songs about no women's pants. You got them size 14 ladies' jeans. That's enough, thank you. <laughs> and, and all this was written. Like, I feel like, I don't know how, but the writers understood these guys really, really well to be able to write a song like this or to write it so it comes right up to this song and then they yeah. let them kind of sing it. Yeah. I mean, it didn't miss a beat. I mean, there's an opening number, basically, and right from the opening 
camera instead of any kind of a break or an edit anything um they're walking on stage walking off stage steven you know steven page you you killed it tonight or you know and <laughs> next thing they're right into the women's pants thing and then there's a song uh, there's there's no time to catch a breath <laughs> no and i love like they do really great cutoffs and I love the cutoffs that they do where they're like, they're going to say the joke, but then they cut themselves off so they don't get in trouble with the censors. Women's pants, women's pants. So where's the crime in loving women's pants? Well, you're not a chick, you guys. Oh man, I don't feel so well. But right. you know what they're gonna say. Which, um, yeah, they do that throughout the show too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler like really delivers on his lines. <laughs> he is given some of the hardest lines to say say with a straight face, and he just like totally like like he's got amazing delivery. I got to work on that. He does. It was. Uh... <laughs> oh, so yeah, no, his delivery was really good. As a matter of fact, I'm stealing the line. I got to work oh, on that. You there? I'm using that whenever anyone criticizes me on the show <laughs> from now on. That's a new line I'm putting in. I don't know if I mean everybody was. I, I don't want to say anyone was a was a, um, a comic foil in this per se because everyone kind of was. But Tyler was the comic foil for the most part. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, except I got to give a shout out to my boy Kevin. His his Zygdon love throughout the show was fantastic. But um, and I do and I do think Kevin has the best surprise line of the whole thing. But and we'll get to that one. <laughs> but Zygdon Five is the character from snack time that he comes up with for the song snack time on the right. on the canadian trilogy yes this is where it comes from this is 2002 it's the origin story of zignon it is because i was asking brent last night and he said no that that's a prop that is not an actual keyboard right and i've looked it up online i could not find zignon 5 products anywhere this is the origin of Zygnon 5. <laughs> Here's my problem. It only comes up a couple of times with this episode. And I don't know if they started recording it. They saw the problem and they're like, okay, we're going to re-edit from here on out. Ed, when he's recording the lines where he's a womanizer, it does not come off right. Yep. No, and I agree. It seemed... Uh... <laughs> Ed can be an amazing actor. But he is over the top when he's trying to play the womanizer, and he just, he feels unnatural. It feels very forced, yeah. And, and, and there was a couple times, I, I gotta say, there was a few times in this one where, you know, his lines or the way they were delivered or the, the setup, you know, I was kind of like, got, I got a little bit of a cringe. I was like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it just didn't, it didn't work, and so I'm glad that it was very barely in there, because otherwise it would have been very tough to do. And it also does not translate into our Me Too culture today. Right, exactly. It's, yeah, it, it feel it, that those parts felt very dated. Yes. Um, although Tyler's line, it, it could come across as dated, but the fact that he said that, that oh, did I say that out loud? Or, or, or Ed said, you said that out loud again. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I kind of feel thoughts like that it, he's like, oh, whoops, I got to work I don't on that. think, I don't think, and I got to defend, and, and, and hopefully it's not taken the wrong way with me defending. I'm not digging a hole, but I, I kind of feel like that the intent wasn't there to be chauvinistic or um, sexist in any way. It was just, you know, 
men be men kind of thing. You know, this is kind of thoughts that that happen, and it's just trying to portray it that way. I don't think it meant to come off in you know negative, but certainly I can see where it it would you know, especially in today's culture. Right. <clears throat> that was, I think, the only parts that du- that one and the the last scene would be the ones that I'm like, ooh, that might not translate so well today. Um, yes, the last scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that was also done with a very tongue-in-cheek way. So I think that you could pull that off in a lot. And, and it was a very, I think that was the most monkeys-esque scene of right. the whole thing <laughs> where they're just like, we're going to make this completely outlandish. In order to be to make like have fun with this, but know that it's not anywhere close to realistic. <laughs> they straddled that fine line between satirical parody and uh, uh, something that could be viewed as ooh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I ha- so <laughs> I love Steven. So as it comes out of that first scene, and they're good getting into the premise of the show, which is here's our band. That's a, a band that hasn't made it yet. And they're touring and trying to make their way into the world. We get out into them waiting to get on the tour bus. And they're talking with the manager about this horrible show. They're talking amongst the band about this, this, this manager that set them up for a horrible show in the past. And I love Steven's line. Are you good? Are you going to say what I'm about (laughs) to say? First of all, or, before we even get there, because my, go right I actually, ahead, because I bet we do. I actually, well, no. First of all, I wrote in my notes, what was the other TV show? Because <laughs> <laughs> because they get a look, they're like, oh, remember that horrible TV show? And there's a look, and they go, oh no, no, the other TV show. <laughs> I'm I need closure. I need to know what that other show was. <laughs> oh, they show it to us. No, no, no. Before that, because they kind of imply that there was another show. If you listen to the line. Well, well, so their their first statement is that they look they look at each other and then they look at the camera as a as a breaking the fourth wall of like not this TV show not the one we're doing right this moment. Oh, okay. So that's that's not how I took it. I took it that this was that was a meta joke. Like this was reality. Remember that TV show? Oh, okay, I see that. I can see that too. But yeah, that makes sense. But I was like, is there- but I love that meta that meta breaking the fourth yeah. wall of like <laughs> no the other one. <laughs> The other one, the other one, right? Okay, I can I can see where that was the where the joke was going there, but yeah. I was like, <laughs> and then we switch into a Brady's esque type of TV show with the band are all family. brothers yeah. living, yeah, very Partridge family. Yes, thank you. Um, with George Takei. <laughs> well, and they 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 kind of they kind of back the Partridge family up, and we'll get to that. But but yeah, George oh. Takei. Should... <laughs> And George Takei nails his lines. He is amazing throughout this. I would oh, yeah. love to see a TV show of just this TV show. <laughs> yes, that should have been made. And the cost, the costuming for the band was fantastic. Uh. Oh, it was hilarious! Like the puck through the TV. That was their their big uh oh moment. The first the first shot you see is that puck, and then it pans back, and there's already. Like the the can, ooh, and laughter, and that, oh yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember the actress's name. She is wonderful as well. I yes. oh, I don't know why it, it's not hitting me. Um, she was on Community, correct? I tried to look it up. Of course, we don't. If if you watch the clip, it never gets to the end, so there's no credits. 
<clears throat> but yeah, I tried. I tried to figure that out, and I can't. And but yeah, she was. She was amazing. She was on Community, correct? That might have been it. Actually, I should show it to my wife because my wife is a huge Community fan. So I should see. Um... I want to say that was her, but I could be wrong. And so they do this wonderful scene of seventies esque band Partridge Family type thing. Wonderful humor throughout it. Just they're playing on all this old stuff. Um, trying <laughs> trying to make fun of Partridge Family and all those wonderful old TV shows. But what about the talent show? <laughs> 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 they flash back, and here's where I think it was total Partridge Family, because Kevin delivers one of my favorite lines where he just looks there and he goes, I slept with Mama. So, total spoiler, <laughs> but I thought that was like, I slept with Mama, which is a Partridge Family reference. Well, and it's a Greg, it's a it's a Brady reference as well from. Greg oh, that's Brady's. true. It is. Yeah, that's true. That that maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the Brady reference to um, yeah, uh, Florence Henderson and uh, oh, that's right, right, right. <laughs> but they just don't let anything go. They're like all these like wonderful little inroads throughout the whole thing. Right. Yeah. In right, jokes, <laughs> um, and so then we have <laughs> probably my favorite. No, second favorite. I know who my favorite second character is. Second favorite. My second favorite <laughs> character shows up. Hilt McGitty. <laughs> I, I have to say, that was Harlan. Harlan came up with that name, I swear. It, I think everything that Harlan said was an improv. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Harlan had a scripted line there at all. <laughs> they just let him go. Like, how uh, much can you go with... Um, the tossing of the suitcases, just like throwing them <laughs> into the window, and oh, it was so good. <laughs> and his, what was the saying? Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yes, it was knock on wood. <laughs> well, that's how I always say. It. No, you use it like I've never crashed a bus. Knock on wood. Well, that would be a flat out lie. <laughs> <laughs> I crashed one just yesterday. <laughs> And you see some of them coming, but his delivery is so wonderful that it just perfectly hits every time. Yeah, I mean, Um, you you knew that scene was going exactly where it went, but it was still fun to watch. And it's still fun to watch. That's... He's fun to watch anytime. I, w- I would say if I were if I were to if I were to plug this show to anybody to say you've got to see this, especially a BNL fan, because I think it worked today. It's going to work a lot better if you're a BNL fan. Um, yes. But I mean, but uh, yeah, I think I would. That would be the second scene. I would say you have to see this. Then yeah. of course the other scene would be the. <laughs> And up until this point, I didn't know it, but I to- now that I know it, it totally makes sense that it was the, some of the Seinfeld writers that wrote this. It's that absurdist humor, and it totally oh, yeah. makes sense that that was them writing. Right, right. <clears throat> uh, and then we get into the near and far, so that kind of places where this is in their in their tours, because their 2000, their maroon tours was when they were doing the near far bits on stage. Right. Uh, so, of course, they're hitting on all that stuff that they're currently doing, quick, easy kind of stuff. Right. Um, although I do have to say that's my favorite thing that they get up on stage and just kind of play around and do is the near and far. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Tyler having fun out there and just, like, them yelling and playing on stage. <laughs> right. And that's, I mean, that's one thing that I think people love about Bare Naked Ladies. I mean, put aside the, the, the brilliant lyrics, the music, the fact that you could put in one of their albums at any time and have a blast, you haven't experience BNL until you've seen them live. I think we'd all agree. And <laughs> because you don't yeah. know what you're going to get. I saw them during Peep Show, 
and you know to get them to all stand in a half circle and do one week acapella nobody saw that coming mm-hmm. and <laughs> no. um so and although I think we don't see it coming at the end of this what they do either that was <laughs> when they play the hit <laughs> but uh yeah that's, that's just what's fun about the band that's what they showed i mean it was just i mean those sequences are fun it's fun to see the the band do things that you don't normally do i mean even kevin constantly pulls out the guitar in this one which you know as far as, far yeah. as the band goes he's not known for the guitar he's the keyboardist but still to see him just they're, they're all kind of stepping out of their elements a little bit and then, of course at the end the instruments that you see them pick up was was <laughs> <laughs> really outside their element. Jim have a sitar. I, Jim has a sitar, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the thing is that that Steven's playing. Right. <laughs> I'm not even gonna guess. I'm gonna get it so fabulously wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um. Before we get there, though, they have they're on the bus. They have these wonderful scenes on the bus where they're just being who I imagine that the band is most of the time when they're kind of on the bus and touring and just talking with each other at that stage of the game. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yes, not anymore, obviously. Um, and then Tyler has to go to the bathroom, (laughs) and we get my favorite song of the episode. Which is privacy. Which is privacy. <laughs> and Hey, Ty. What are you doing? Anything we can do to make you more comfortable? A little privacy, please? Take a little time for yourself. We'll give you all the time that you need. Sometimes everybody needs to be alone. Where nobody else can see. Privacy. Guys. Privacy. Guys. Privacy. Guys. Privacy. Privacy. I got to have some privacy. Yeah. I just like everything about this one scene works perfectly for me. Like it's just one laugh after another after another. Like the fact that they're they're teasing him incessantly out of the bus window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not giving him the privacy. <laughs> Only to appear behind him. And <laughs> that was the part where I was just like, okay, I'm done. I am literally laughing at this point so hard that I have to stop because I cannot take it. I think where I lost it was because I, you know, and I'm known for this. Uh, I, like, you know, but uh, taking what should be a simple song and just trying to build and build and build until it's way over the top. So, I mean, I was already enjoying it. But when that choir shows up... <laughs> I'm like you. Uh, you got yeah. me. You got me. This was, and then, and then for for Tyler to end with that line. <laughs> <laughs> I just want some just song in such a t- privacy. <laughs> All right, everyone, back on the band. Johnny Jingle Nuts. <laughs> Foghat, Johnny Jingle Nuts. <laughs> hey, Foghat. Count Chocula. Johnny Jingle Nuts. Let's shake a leg. My license doesn't allow me to drive after dark. That's, I will say that there's, there's a very Zucker, Zucker, Abraham's feel to this because um, just like in their early stuff, like when they did Police Squad, the TV show. Yes. Which became Naked Gun. Um, it, that's what it felt like. It felt like it was that humor that didn't, it didn't really stop. There was no break. I could see where that would have been tricky when this came out because if you were really into it, you couldn't stop and laugh because you're already on the next joke. Oh yeah, there there was no pause for laughter. Yeah, 
I mean, if you're laughing because of Tyler's last flamboyant aria there, you're going to miss the name <laughs> call. You know? Which I did, but of course I got it on the next next go around. Do you get to go back and do it again? But back in 2005, you couldn't do right. that. <laughs> Wait, rewind. DVR that. No, no, no. Put the video cassette in. You... <laughs> and then, so... You, 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 you taped the bare naked ladies over our wedding, you know. <laughs> now, they've already had four songs. We're only into this, like, ten minutes into this episode. And they've already had four yes. songs on this show. Like they're And then they double dose you. They're, they're going over the top with the monkeys, like, format here. <laughs> yes. We're going to double dose you because, uh, you know, um, how can we be as meta as possible here? Well, we're going to sing about a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get on board. Hey, 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 hey. Here comes the part. Where we all learn about special products that we need to make our lives better. And then we're going to sing about coming back from the commercial break. From a commercial break. (laughs) (laughs) Did you go to the bathroom? Did you microwave a burrito? Are you considering consulting your doctor? Did you skip all the commercials because you got TiVo? We're back! We're back! We're back from the commercial break now. We're back. We're back. And we're back from the commercial break now. Yeah. Well, the going out song felt improv just because it seems like they didn't have a line written. They probably did, but just for Steve to be like, stuff you need. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once again, them just hitting on like the laugh line. It's all about delivery, and yes. they are they are amazing at doing delivery. They're as good at comedy as they are at singing. And I think that that's why they would have been perfect for this type of show. And it's a shame that they didn't let it go any further. And they had... When it comes to directors of a show and, and editors for a show, they couldn't have asked for a better one. I mean, the guy that... You know, Brent has right. a resume that is, like, full... In terms of what he's done, including so much comedy, especially this type of comedy, right? Including Greg the Bunny. So we're going to go for the ribald stuff, um, right? But on top of it, like Cra- Crash and Crash and Bernstein, and yeah. But then on top of it, we also have the he has edited all and directed all of the uh, videos and the uh, the tour videos for Ringo Starr for fifteen years, like. <clears throat> Right. He's got the experience. Like he would have been perfect for this exact job, and it's a real right. shame that it didn't take off because he would it, he, he would have made it look perfect. He directed this like a music video. I mean, there's a very music video feel to this and the pacing of it. It's not it's not let's stop and spend time on plot here. It's let's get to the next gag. <laughs> and if that's your type of humor, it's it's I mean, which, which it's mine. I mean, it's fantastic. And, and what he does in the next scene that comes up, which is probably uh, was my favorite. Well, I, I always want to say it's my favorite scene. That clock scene. Um, but oh yeah. <laughs> but but uh, no, this the next segment that happens. I thought was the pinnacle of the directing and the humor and the meta ness of it, which is oh, yeah. the reference, the fact that uh, so so Steve Page holds up Euro Trip. And he says, I, I'm going to go watch this. It's got some great commentary. 
boom, now we're commentating on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're watching the commentation track next to the actual video of what's going on. Yes. And then it finishes in the perfect way in that they finish this joke with them coming from the back of the bus. They call out, all right, come along, guys. And they come from the back of the bus. That's where they've been doing the commentary on this track right. that they've been right. commenting. <laughs> The wraparound and that oh. whole section from from Steve's first line about the um, the subtext is that I'm a man who's been hurt and I must learn to love again. And then for for <laughs> for Ed to now the subtext here is I'm a man who's been hurt before and I must learn to love again. I think I was really drunk when we were filming this. I just I love that transition. <laughs> but Ed, you don't even drink. Oh really? Well, I'm a bad actor. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my favorite line of that scene. Like, I really am a bad actor. <laughs> oh, oh, and but then, then you know, you're you're already laughing, and so then the fight breaks out, and you're like, now if you look if you look really closely, you'll notice that we brought in a stunt double for Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, this had already been done on Spaceballs, and I love right. the fact that they're like, okay, we know this has been done before. We're gonna take it to that extra level and really right. make it outlandish. Right. <laughs> Yep, yeah, it was, uh, oh, I loved it. <laughs> and I think anyone who hasn't seen Spaceballs would be like, you took it too far. They, they had to, because it had been done before, and they, yeah, they had to go too far. <laughs> um, but I think, I think they quantified it with a, with a perfect line, which was just like, like, well, Kevin doesn't wear the earring, and that was something like, Kevin doesn't wear the earring in that ear, if you look closely, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to ignore all these other signs. It's the earring. Oh, man, that's the kind of humor that's funny, because I know a lot of people that are very literal when it comes to comedy, and they would watch that scene, they would be like, well, obviously that's not Kevin. Um, but I, I say to that for someone that appreciates that kind of humor, it's it's brilliant. It was really done well. <laughs> so we come to my favorite scene of this pilot. <laughs> the scene that I have watched so many times, it still cannot laugh. If you hadn't been disturbed by this point in the episode... <laughs> At this point, you are either oh. going to turn this off or you are going to bust a gut. I am sorry. If you make if you make it through this scene, that's where they're they're going to they're going to they're going to thin you out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the, I'm I'm going to guess and I'm going to say that this and the final scene that was shown on this video are the reasons that it did not make it onto Fox. It is just too <laughs> too risque for the time. I th yes. <laughs> we have Michael Richards for who gives once again an amazing performance doing a scene that I did not see coming. Oh. <laughs> no. This was not done on Spaceballs. We should probably And they set it up perfectly with the clocks. They you you think that the clocks are going to be the joke of the scene. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, cuz they start off with making like one or two jokes about the clocks." Yep. Hey, what time is it? Like, because hey, what time is it? Yep. <laughs> and you're like, okay, how many jokes can they make about time? Nope, they're gonna take a hard left corner and go into some different thing altogether, where Michael Richards can stop time. And this, well, this was the point where I saw them as really an ensemble. I, as this scene progresses, oh yeah, it was an ensemble piece where where they're all playing off the different jokes that they're about to have. You know. The different points that they're going to make. It's <laughs> but they're so straight. Like, 
Every single person in this scene, including Michael Richards, plays this scene so straight that it it hits. Oh yeah. Like I think if Michael Richards had taken it to that to that uh Harlan Williams level, it would have lost it. He's like, "No, I'm just going to lay back and just enjoy." No, it's uh, that yeah, that one breath where he's like that where he just goes <laughs> <laughs> that genius of it starts because then you get Tyler's line about the was wait was my zipper down before I don't remember was it zipper? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well and what makes this perfect this is this is where the TV editing comes in and where the TV directing comes in and it really shows and I want to highlight this Brett was is amazing because you could take this in one of two directions you could take it where there's a cut and the people are standing in different places or people are positioned differently or you see them stopped and and you know that time has stopped and and that there are uh, there are actual things that you can see that that give the hint away that time has stopped they decide to not go that route and they run it straight as in you don't know if michael richards is losing his mind right or if in fact he is stopping there, time because there is no pause. There's no there's indication no stop, of there that. Are no yeah, hints. there's a simple, simple click, no break. Um, but then the way the band plays it, and he plays it, you start to question yourself. You're like, is he really doing this? Because <laughs> everyone's got it. And it is just a slow. It's a slow build to chaos oh, yeah. at this point. Like you can feel the anxiety and tension going up as this scene goes on. When that that Instagram comes out. <laughs> Check him the Instagram. This is a great picture of him. Of him? No, both of you, maybe. <laughs> oh, five of you. <laughs> you are all generous lovers. <laughs> do, do, do it. Do it again. To you? No, to him. What? <laughs> I do like Steve's delivery too. On don't you see? He's tearing us apart. <laughs> But they can't help themselves. They keep going. I could have probably watched another five minutes of that scene without without I, yeah, feeling tired. Easily. It it would have been yeah that would have been that would have been perfectly okay because it was. <laughs> <laughs> and that could have been like one of those reoccurring characters that throughout like the series here and there pops back in every now and then. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And it would it would have worked. It would have been amazing. So I, I I feel really sad. That is my like favorite scene, and it makes me sad that we didn't get more. Um, and there's well, there's such a good rap back to it. The the guy the guy who runs this place may or not may, may or may not be stopping time and having sex with us. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that the manager. Meanwhile, we see Michael Richards kind of peering out I the love window. The manager's response. Yeah. So now you're complaining about groupies. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, that's wonderful. That does remind me, though, that in that phone call, that that's one other place where you could kind of get a little cringe where the manager, depending on your viewpoint, where he says something a little more endangered. I was like, oh. <laughs> it, that was another one of those scenes where I was like, they they went back to Ed being the womanizer again. Yep. And I'm like, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the unfortunate thing is because that one little bit pulled me out of it again where I was really kind of, that scene had wrapped me in fully at that yeah, point. Yeah, right. Had they cut that, I think leading into that next scene. You could have almost justified moving right to the next hotel and getting into that next scene. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting. So this is the most monkeys-esque scene of the whole thing. Yes. 
where all of a sudden they are walking in to this hotel to get a room because of what just happened in the last scene. They decided they did not want to take chances with the clock. But we get a view of what this hotel is before. It is a huge, huge towering hotel. We are talking four to five hundred rooms. It's completely booked for one wedding. <laughs> yep. I'm like, oh, we are really stepping into the absurd completely here. Completely booked for one wedding. If you're not part of the wedding party, yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> they're like, okay, yeah, we're the band musicians. We're, we're, we're the musicians for the for the, the wedding. So that that's why we're here. And she's like, whatever. Like, the fact that she's not buying into it, but she's like, I'm not going to fight this and argue with this. I'm going with it. Right. Well, yeah, cue the bad rendition of Here Comes the Bride. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we have the Zygnon 5 joke again. <laughs> we have, yep, yep. And we have the band coming out in, in Japanese uniforms. <laughs> and we can see where this is going. <laughs> because it's a Japanese wedding. <laughs> of course, George Takei is there. Yep. <laughs> for no reason other than the fact they were like we can fit him in they here didn't, they, didn't, they didn't pay for him for one no. scene <laughs> and, it, and it is a wonderful payback too George Decay, tell him <laughs> I don't know them <laughs> their version of They're one week <laughs> with, the, with the Japanese instruments <laughs> is amazing <laughs> The Chinese chicken, and I don't want to go back and it revisit is. too much of last week, but that's them playing those instruments. Oh, really? Yeah, that, nice. that, that is not a set band. That is not like a backing band. That is them. Um, I, and I said they don't know how to play it, but I'm guessing and... they did not know how to play any of those instruments before. Um, <clears throat> but they're, right. they're right. conjugal musicians, and they just got to learn it really quick. Consummate musicians, <laughs> not conjugal. Yeah, right. Right. Conjugal. <laughs> That's a whole other meaning to this scene. <laughs> That's the last That's, scene. Now we're back to the clock. <laughs> That was that was pretty conjugal. So that's where we leave it, supposedly, because this is 17 minutes. So yeah, it just kind of cuts off right there. A TV show is 22 to 24 minutes. 24 minutes back in this period of time, usually, um, back in the early 2000s. Today, it would only be 24 minutes. They've kind of right. shrunk even more time for for commercials. So we're missing time here. We're missing about seven minutes of time. I did ask him about this. There was an opening scene of them wrestling goats and refusing to wrestle goats. He is looking for this the footage, and I'm hoping, okay. beyond all hopes, that he <laughs> finds this missing footage. And then we have the final that... scene where the fight breaks out <laughs> at this Japanese wedding. The father goes for a karate kick. He's up on wires. So there was a fight. But he's stuck hanging in midair. And they all just walk by him and push him as they walk by. <laughs> I would love to see that. And is, is that how the episode ends then? That's how the episode ends. Yeah. Or somewhere along that line. Maybe one more song or something. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one more closing song. I don't know about you, Jeff. I am thoroughly sad that we lost this. I'm glad that we got it back. I'm, I never knew this was a thing. I am so glad that Brent had it where he had it. And yeah. I'm hoping that the studio does not jump in and say, nope, you got to take it down. That, nope, we're getting rid of that. You can't have that up because this right. is a wonderful find. Yeah. 
It, you would hope they wouldn't now. I mean, it's, you know, we're looking at 15 years later. It didn't reach the light of day, unfortunately. So, you know, give us this at least. But, I mean, you know, you couldn't see them making this now, obviously. They wouldn't be green-lighted now. But it would be really cool to have that, to have like a season. Yeah. You know, they yeah. could go back to get it on DVD or, or something. It would, it would be nice to be able to go back and at least see a full run of this. Cause I think, I think it would have been really cool to see, to see what they could have done with it. That's what we have for this, for this video. Like that's everything. <laughs> we have gone through the whole script. And so now I'm going to throw it over real quick. Now that we're kind of wrapping up, I'm going to throw it over to the curmudgeon of the group because I really want to hear what his thoughts are. <laughs> he has not been on forever, and he has he is probably the biggest Monkees fan that I know, both band and uh, the TV show. Bobby, I really want to know what his opinion of this is going to be. So I'm going to go. I'm going to throw over to him now and have him put his two cents in. Actually, probably more like ten dollars. <laughs> It would be more appropriate if we were sitting in a Tim Hortons since it's about Canada, but... But unfortunately, okay. Tim Hortons has yeah. pulled them their way out of Maine. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk a bit about this. We're sitting in a Dunkin' Donuts, which is the, the main equivalent of, not, a Dun of a Tim Hortons. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Unless you want it. Um, but anyway. Bobby, I, as a... First of all, you know, I love your opinions anyways, and, and I very much honor your opinions. Um, That's too bad. <laughs> it, it is a dangerous. It is a problem I've been trying to deal with. My therapist still has not fixed that problem. Uh, but in the meantime, I still honor your opinion. Well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and of course, as you're you're probably the biggest monkeys fan that I know. Like I really, I mean, I, obviously this show that was supposed to be was very much based on the whole monkeys idea. Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts on the on the Bare Naked Ladies pilot. Well, first I want to ask because I'm not sure I haven't asked you this. I only watched what was available. It ends somewhat abruptly. I'm assuming that they just don't have footage for the last five minutes or so. So in talking with it Brent, should be like a 22 minute episode. And well, it actually, ends, back then 24 minutes. Right, and it ends just very abruptly. So there's two. Two pieces that were missing, and I've already covered this before, so oh. I'll cut this piece out here, right here, just, but I'll update you Fair so enough. you know what's already coming through. Here are my thoughts on the pilot, and I'm speaking as both a script writer and, I guess, to compare it to the idea of the monkeys. All right, first off, what I'm going to say is this. It's very difficult to try to recreate what the monkeys were. And, of course, the monkeys were inspired by A Hard Day's Night. That's why that whole thing came. It was like an Americanized version of this idea, Richard Lester's classic film with the Beatles, of course. But uh, Bob Rafelson and Bert Schneider wanted to create this kind of Americanized version that was part band, part Marx Brothers. In fact, John Lennon once remarked when asked what he thought of the monkeys, he said, those guys are great, they're like the Marx Brothers. And that's very true if you watch their show. Now, what I found about this pilot, and I watched it twice, what was available anyway, the first 17 minutes of it. Some things, I'll go in for some of the like positive things first. I like the opening theme, and I like the fact that they go right from the opening theme into the action of the show, just walking off the stage. You know, they've got that huge audience, and they walk in, and they start kind of the story 
of the show. But that right away sort of leads to one thing where it's vastly different from the Monkees, of course, is that B&L was an established band. They were already a popular band. It's much harder to make them convincing as sort of like the lovable losers just looking for a gig um, and things like that. True. Because obviously they don't need it. Um, they're already a famous band. Which is why I thought the relationship with the manager seemed a little forced and strained a bit. I can see. Here's the thing, and again, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, because there was much that I thought uh, (laughs) that I enjoyed about the pilot, because there were some funny things. I really thought only Ed, Steve, and Tyler looked comfortable, and in all fairness, I actually think only Ed and Tyler were given actual personalities. Even Steve, to some extent, all his, the only gimmick he really had was the woman's pants thing, <laughs> which was fun, but it, that's not like a personality thing. No, it's a now, gimmick. Now, what made the monkeys like kind of... If you look at the monkeys pilot, which you can watch online or if you have any of the DVD collections, what they did, and I think this is a smart thing to do, they set up right from the beginning, even in the earliest like minutes. Well, of course, they had a tag at the beginning. But in the earliest minutes of the show, we understand very clearly what role each band member plays. Mike is kind of the wise leader. He gives advice and things like that. And later on in the the run of the series, he continues to be that guy. Obviously, we see different sides of him, but he's always kind of that leader who's the more cooler head of the group. Davey's the girl crazy one, and the girls love him. He's the dreamboat. We know that right from like the first five minutes of the show. Mickey is kind of the wisecracker, and um, Peter is the dummy. They even make a joke about that in the movie Head, how he was relates to that um, role as the dummy his whole life. So we've got those kind of personalities. Now again, we see more of them as the series progresses, different sides of them. Now, But you do get a taste of it in that pilot. Right. Yeah. But um, I, I didn't see that same kind of energy with the B&L group. I mean, we've got, for example, I mean, we've got, yes, Kevin's got his whole gag with the Zygnot 5, which I guess makes him the weird one or something. <laughs> and obviously they tried to set up Ed immediately with Kiki as like the girl crazy one, and Tyler is the kind of inappropriate foot-in-his-mouth guy. Um, but I actually think Jim gets the shaft completely. Like, I mean, he's not given any kind of real... That's personality true. or anything like That's that. True. They never really give him a character. And because we don't really see these characters, it, 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 it almost seemed to me, and again, this is just, it seemed like, you know, Ed's kind of like being a, 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 a womanizer thing seemed kind of a little forced and a little over I, the top. That was my note as well. Um, but that's also because it's not Ed. Well, right. My, my, right. my problem was is that the writers didn't know this band. They didn't well, know who these guys were before they, when were, they were trying the to. Script. They were trying to. And they were trying to give these guys characters to play. Right. Whereas I think the rest of them kind of are similar to what their onstage personalities normally are. Right. Um, but they're not characters. I actually, to me, I kind of per- I, I prefer them not being characters and well, yeah. then just being them. And we have. The band being the band because they're funny enough. Well, I think character. I think that's kind of well. I mean, that's what's tough because immediately too, yes, we understand the manager's not a great guy. They obviously he kind of cheats them over and stuff like that, whatever. Or at least we get that idea. But again, I I mean I, it's hard to or to sort of buy that dynamic with a band that you know that's already pretty successful. So anyway, the only real storyline that's set up in terms of like a story story is the fact. 
that the manager has booked them a show um, on a day that's supposed to be their day off. And so that's the major plot point. Now, obviously, sort of. <laughs> well, kind of. That's the problem, <laughs> is that it never really builds any kind of conclusion. But you look at something like the monkeys. Yes, they had a lot of gags. They had a lot of things like that. But all of the gags were built around this kind of central story. You look at the pilot, it's that idea that Davies with this girl who then is suffering in school and then he has to help her pass and blah, 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 so they can keep the gig at their her father's club. There's a loose plot that is well, kind of... Right, good. but it, 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 it's loose, but it's there, and they actually, everything about it works towards that conclusion of what happens. I can um, see it. Now, all right, so as the show progresses, obviously, here are some of my thoughts. I like, you know... The, the flashback of the sitcom, that was fun and funny. But again, I'm like, I mean, I enjoyed it. But it's not really like the monkeys. It's more like a family guy cutaway, really, than like something like the monkeys. Before family guy existed. Right, right. No, no. Um, but of course, the Takai came in and all that stuff. is fun. Harlan is the bus driver. It's fun cameo. So there's a lot of, like, amusing stuff and a lot of, like, energy and things like that, a lot of interesting gag. I will say this, I do feel that it feels like a comedy show, but without a laugh track, and I think that throws off the rhythm. Laugh tracks can make a big difference to a show. Now, for example, some shows, like a laugh track, actually, I think, detracts. Like, if you can watch all of MASH now, how it was intended without the laugh track. It was the studios that made them put the laugh track on and MASH is almost a completely different show without the laughter. I mean, it's good either way, but my point is, you know, just like how The Office would be weird if it had a laugh track or something like this, but this is a show that seems to sort of have, like, such definitive sitcom type, like, punchlines. Mm-hmm. And maybe then, they were supposed to be in there and maybe, they were added maybe. in because it that was is, the pilot. Right, that is definitely possible. Here's my biggest complaint about the, the, the pilot. And this is, you know, some writing advice. <laughs> Although the people who wrote this, I'm sure, found much more success than I ever they had. They did. They, became, so, they went on to write The League and Curb Your Enthusiasm. They came from Seinfeld. Oh, so, well, there you go. They're, they're, don't listen to me. But um, <laughs> Well, and that no, also shows you like what their, what, their style of humor Well, what I felt be. the pilot was lacking was a sense of stakes. You know, like, even in that, like, you know, for example, we're, like, we're comparing and contrasting the monkeys pilot. There is the sense of stakes. They want to keep that job at the club. Davey likes that girl, but she's in trouble. He's not allowed to see her. So there are a sense of, like, stakes and a problem for them to solve. In this, they're not really trying to solve much of a problem until they get to the hotel. That's a joke that probably hasn't aged well, um, but it was just a relief for me to see Michael <clears throat> Michael Richards not shouting out a bunch of racial slurs, so that's good. <laughs> but no, that whole, like, you know, like, a plot point of him stopping time and having his way with them, probably, yeah, <laughs> hasn't aged well, perhaps. Oh, see, I thought that was the one out of all of them, out of all the jokes areas, mm-hmm. that aged the best. Yeah. Because the, the, the womanizing jokes... Well, I no, feel yeah. Age well, pretty poorly. Well, no, that um, <laughs> and like the Tyler like line about the gazongas yes. and all that stuff. Sure, sure. Again, yeah, I think I've said a lot of the stuff. I do like a lot of the music stuff, like the going to commercial song and the we're back song. That stuff is really fun. We talked about the fact that what I watched ended abruptly without any kind of closure. So that's, but that's just stuff is missing. Um, and here's the thing, as I was saying before, like. 
capturing like a sense of what the monkeys had is very is a very hard thing to do because it is very Marx Brothery and, and things like that. The new monkeys, that big mistake they made back in the late '80s, they couldn't. But you can't do it. even get online. Like they have a race. You can the well, you can exists. you can find like the opening theme and stuff, and maybe like little clips. <laughs> That's about it. But um, but they didn't even understand how to have that energy. The closest thing I've ever seen, and actually I read an article about this. And it's very true. And this you can see online. <clears throat> if you guys remember a very short-lived but Emmy Award-winning, even though it was short-lived, only one season, the Ben Stiller Show. It was a sketch comedy show on Fox. And they had a seven-and-a-half-minute sketch in an episode called The Grungies. And it took the grunge Seattle music thing but put it into like a monkey-style sitcom. And what they did... The writers must have been big fans of the monkeys because they actually captured that energy of what the monkeys were better than I'd seen anything else ever do it. Um, it was very smartly done, but while also creating it for the 90s, Seattle sound like the Pearl Jam, Nirvana kind of thing in their attitude and things like that. Mickey Dolan's actually even shows up as a guest star in that sketch. Right. But it's actually, that that's got one of the closer like feelings to what the monkey's idea was, because even that, in that short sketch, had a specific plot that had stakes. They needed to have instruments to play that night, so they had to go borrow instruments, and they promised not to smash them. <laughs> a promise they break. But, um, but that does have a sense of stakes, but it also has those interesting... <clears throat> gag kind of cutaways, but the gag cutaways, unlike with Family Guy or things like that, actually serve or or illustrate the plot, right? The surrounding plot, and so it's very or or character. Plot. I can't imagine, <sighs> to be honest, based on what I saw, that it would be something I would have watched every week, even though I like the band a great deal. Mm-hmm. I wasn't all that completely taken with this pilot, to be honest. No offense to <laughs> the people who wrote it. No offense to your guest who's been on the show or anything like that. I don't mean that in any kind of negative way. I mean, it's a pilot for a reason. I'm sure if it had been picked up, a lot would have been done to kind of flesh things out, especially if the series progressed. So it's hard to actually base it off of just watching 17 minutes of a, True. Of, of a, of a pilot. So here's your question. You are they got good cameos, the executive. <laughs> they got amazing cameos. You are the you are the executive producer of the studio, uh-huh. the studio head. You have in your hands to yay or nay this show. Right. It's come to you. You've given your notes. What right. do you say? Well, no, I mean, like, I, I definitely would have had lots of notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, as is. And this isn't to say that it couldn't be reworked into something, but as is, I probably would have said nay based off of the the pilot. Rework it or else. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, and also just because, like, I mean, and here, and this, I don't even mean this in a bad way. People have to remember that the monkeys were cast as actors and musicians and stuff. True, it was good if they had some music with them, but they were cast as actors who could sing and things like that. A band is a very different thing from, like, a television cast. 
Obviously, you have to have chemistry as a band. And the best chemistry that you see in the show are during the live performances in front of the audience. Otherwise, I mean, it feels just like a forced kind of, we're telling jokes that... Well, and as we know, you know, B&L is extremely funny on stage when well, they're sure, sure. being themselves. Well, sure. As a matter of fact, some of the, the funnier lines of the show, some of the funnier pieces of the show, really actually feels like when they're stepping out of those lines or not remembering their lines and just interacting with each other. Right, I mean, right. The, the most, I think, pushed lines and forced lines, I think, of the episode are Ed's lines. Not because he's a bad actor, but because he's trying to be someone who's completely and utterly different than who he is. Although he calls himself a bad which he calls himself a bad actor, but but I, you know, those moments when we, those of us who are going to watch the show are big fans of right. the band, most likely, at least the people oh, no, who start with it. That's the thing, and we know that he's married, so they let him watch, sit there and watch him be a right. womanizer when we know he's married is a very uncomfortable feeling. Well, sure. And there's also, of course, the, like, the whole idea... I may have also set this up negatively for you, Bobby, and be even beginning to be to compare them to the monkeys. Well, no, I mean, it's because, sure. Like, I mean, it is a different thing altogether. Right. To some, I mean, we know that the, the points that you've made about the, this versus the monkeys, like, yes, of course, like, they were an established band to begin with who had just hit it big with, All right. you know, a well, year before. In that regard, it's like you said, if they kept more of their actual personality and maybe a more realistic idea, yes, they could have friction with their manager, but the way they set it up, like they're under the thumb of a manager who makes them sleep in a motel, it's just not, like, believable, you know, for a band that's already super successful. It's believable for four guys who live in a beach house who can't get a gig, <laughs> you know, but... So in a way, I think the show could have worked if it had been a tiny bit more odd, but then maybe skewed out into the absurd stuff a little differently. Yeah. But from a and base of a, like... And you have a valid argument about the plot and how they move away from what the plot originally kind of starts as well, right. to what it ends up with. And right. It feels like they're, it's a meandering story. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not... It's not to be honest, it doesn't feel like your typical pilot script in that way. But again, I wasn't looking at the script. I was looking at a 17-minute like <laughs> version of of it, which is could be a very different thing. So. Uh, and I feel like if they had if they had greenlighted this with some of the comments that you had made, like make sure that the plot of each episode has a plot and you're following it, and that you decide what these characters are going to be, and you kind of. You maybe make them more connected to the character, the people who they're oh, actually being. And I think being. also give everyone would, a very specific role. See, I would go away from that and no, what in I order mean, to make them... No, but what I mean is, by that, is like, even if they are being more themselves or whatnot, but it's like, you really, I think, I mean, it helps like an audience follow characters if they're specific. Even when I say specific role, it doesn't even... But it just make them specific. About who they are going to Well, be. yeah. Those were my thoughts. Yeah. And I think they could have started to get more comfortable into that had they had it green-lighted. But then we would have also lost Curb Your Enthusiasm and, and the league as we know it. Well, I think Curb Your Enthusiasm might have gone on with Larry David. Uh, well, thank you for your thoughts. I appreciate it. Let's give it some numbers. Zero to five. Like, zero would be like, absolutely, I'm glad they, they canned this and that it never made the light of day. <laughs> five is like, it's this was probably the most brilliant pilot that's ever been made. The Citizen Kane of monkey-style TV shows. Right. 
<laughs> I agree. How many clocks do you give this pilot? Based on what we have, right? Not the f- not based any, on what we have. Not any of the studio stuff or anything, because I could say, well, if we had a full episode, it would be better. Obviously, <laughs> I am gonna say that based on what I saw, I really enjoyed this a lot. I thought it was really well written. I thought the the band was great. I have to take some points off, you know. Looking back in our current culture, obviously some jokes don't stick, and I had to cringe a bit. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give what we have a three and a half. Nice. In all fairness, the reason why I'm going to say that is because I, I still feel like it was getting its footing. Do I, Maybe what I've some of those jokes have landed better for me. Overall, I really enjoyed it. I laughed hysterically. Um, I also don't feel, if I look back at all my favorite TV shows, shows I enjoyed... The first episode is never the best, I don't think. It, they, it takes a show a few oh, no. episodes to find their footing. So I definitely think if they would have given it a chance, we would have been looking at some four-star episodes here. I think given what we have, I'm going to give it... I def, it's definitely very enjoyable. I would recommend it for Bare Naked Ladies fans. Like, please go check this out. Um, you won't be disappointed. Oh, but totally. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... I'm going to give this one a three and a half clocks. The, the only major slight that I'd give it that, that we haven't talked about yet is I wish that the writers knew their who they were writing it for, who their actors were beforehand. All of the band really ha- does a great job. All the supporting cast does a great job. There's one person that it wasn't written well for, and that's Ed. Yeah. I, I feel like they don't... Like, someone had to be that character they felt like. Yeah. That was a womanizer. I don't think they had to. Ed is funny enough as he is, and the band is funny enough without it. They don't need to go to that well. Yeah. If they take that character out, and they've done that before with pilots, too, where they're like, that character doesn't work. We're going to take that character out. We're going to just replace that character with a different character. Um, I think writing Ed just as who he is would have worked. Yes, I agree. I agree with that 100%. Uh, even in now that you're saying it, even so, in the even in the clock scene, which we both agree is probably the the highlight. Like even his lines in that scene are the weakest lines. He's basically just reacting. You know, you get some, yeah. So I can yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that I want Ed gone. I just want his no, character rewritten. I want him differently. Right. Um, matter of fact, you could almost make the female assistant more in that direction. You can have the girls honing on Ed more. Um, and, and have him be more the Davy Jones character if you really want to kind of go in that direction right. rather than having him because he's married and that those of us who know that Ed's married at this point we cringe watching that right yeah and if you're gonna watch a TV show like this it's because you're a fan and if you're that much of a fan <laughs> this <laughs> you is true know Ed's married yeah and it just feels wrong right but I love it. I would, if I had been studio executive, I would have greenlit this in a second. Um, right. I mean, you go back and you look at other TV shows based on musical acts, and you look at their pilots and where it went from there. This pilot is already above and beyond like New Monkeys pilot and the Partridge Family pilot. No, well, definitely the New Monkeys. <laughs> yes. I mean, in terms of the level of jokes, you're already hitting way above that line. Yeah. This could have become something special from there. Yes, um, I agree. I mean, yeah, yeah. Especially with the writers that they had on this show and the 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 way that the supporting cast was hitting it and the director was running right. with it. Like, it could have been something really special. What other guest stars would we have seen if it kept going? Oh, 
That would have been one. You know, I mean, it's, my guess. I mean, looking at the number, the people who have already been, Weird Al would have had to have guest starred on here somewhere. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> we would have seen Canada's Finest, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I give this a four. I think this really. There are some weaknesses. There are some there are things they could have cleaned up. There would have been some notes in the in the sides, but I would have given this a four. Yeah. Nice. Can yeah. definitely see that. Like I said, yeah, it's. I, I think every fan of Bare Naked Ladies, past, present, now, you know, needs to go back and watch this if you haven't seen it. Definitely. Because uh, if anything, you're you're gonna get a lot of nostalgia <laughs> off this. You know, get, getting to see the old band having a good time together, that part was fun. Just getting to see them interact, and they legitimately seemed like they were having a lot of fun yeah. together with it. Well, thank you very much for joining me on this, Jeff. I really appreciate that. Um, Absolutely, it, anytime. It's, <laughs> it's been a great conversation. Um, I know we already have another interview lined up down the road, which I'm excited to have yes. um, in, a, in a month or two here, and hopefully some more that I'm working on. Um, and you will, of course, be invited to join us on those. I appreciate that. I love you. being on the show, man. <laughs> And uh, how is how is the uh, process coming? How's the work coming? I know you're working on another album. Um, actually, that would be incorrect. Um, oh, we, uh, had, not, not correct. Well, uh, so uh, what what has happened there is um, I, I I put out the album in August. I released a couple songs in December. I have a a song coming out on the Fump Friday, so I haven't really pushed it too hard. It was the request. I had someone request the song. Um, for my Indiegogo, TV's Kyle, big Fump uh, member, big big name in comedy music, did the the, the big tier and and requested a a, a parody and a song idea. Um, <laughs> very weird. <clears throat> I was hoping to get a video done. I don't think I will, um, but I love the way that came out. So that one's coming out. I also did recently did a cover for a tribute album that I'm going to be on that uh, uh, Insane Ian's putting out, uh, Ninja Sex Party. Uh, we're doing a tribute album. He uh, had actually reached out to me and said, you know, you like doing acapella songs. And he gave me a song and said, can you do this acapella? So I've got that one. That said, the plan was to do the album. But but about five years ago, I started writing a musical. And that's always been my baby. Oh. My baby has always been to do the music. So I, I kind of was talking with my wife the one day. And I said, I kind of feel like maybe it's time. You know, I've built up a a lot of good connections, met a lot of great friends in this, this year and a half doing music. I feel like it's it's time. I, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? So, and I realized all along I had a musician with Austin who does the music for all my albums and everything. So we are uh, in the process of starting the musical. I'm, I'm looking into the logistics of crowdfunding it and getting what I need to do. I'm, I've returned to the writing table. So that's actually the next project. Not to say that I might not squeeze out a couple songs here and there in the process, obviously. But <laughs> I can't get away from it that way. So. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I want to go backwards real quick. Since the last time you've been on, you have also released a song. Since the... Would you like to update people on the song? Which song have I, I released two, didn't I? Or one? Um, it hasn't been two. It's possibly two. Actually, I, I think I, you're right. Since the last time you've been on, you released two, including videos for both. So would you like to plug those? I double dipped. Yeah, I double dipped. I had an idea, but then I was watching The Mandalorian, um, and I said I have to do a song about The Mandalorian, and you know, in a very Weird Al style, picking a classic uh, song. In this case, I, I chose Jack and <laughs> Diane. And um, so I ended up getting that one done first before the other one I was working on. Uh, so I, I did a video. So yeah, I have a song out for the Mandalorian and I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Austin came up with some really clever, uh, things with the music that I was not expecting. It was never my plan. (laughs) 
and um, it's a lot of fun to write that one. I love that one. If you're a Mandalorian fan, check that out. And then uh, my other one was... Uh, and and I, I, by the way, I don't know if that was Austin or if it was you, but I have to say I love the Star Wars theme that he throws into the background that, during that transition to the next lyrics. That was all Austin. I, I was never my plan. I... I he gave me the track. I was I had the lyrics written. I was gonna you know slap it down. I always I'm gonna I always plan on doing this one time. I'm gonna do this quick. I'm gonna do one take. Send it to Austin. Get it mixed, and we're gonna do it. It never works out that way. So we kind of <laughs> did some back and forth, and I thought, yo, we're good. I was gonna go with it. There were no sound effects. It was just the basic uh, track and my vocals. Um, I had already done the video, and he's like, wait a second, let me let me send you one more. So he, a couple hours like an hour later, he sent me that version. And it had the oh, sound it, effects. Oh, it had the, and I was just, um, my jaw dropped. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so yeah, total credit to Austin on that. It is beautiful. Like you have an amazing collaborative ship with, with Austin. Like he it's, is. Important. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad I found him. I mean, he did my first song, Hey There Momoa. And from, from then on, I mean, just, I just feel like he gets where I'm going. I mean, uh, from Sarasota, where he worked his his butt off on that one, um, we just we just seemed to work well together, and so doing the musical together seemed to be the obvious choice. Um, oh yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, my other one was actually planned. But... And so then you were going to tell me about the other video. <laughs> my other video, yeah. So I've got some friends who are bronies, and I just really and I was watching My Little Pony with my daughter, and I was like, I have to do a song about this, and. I wouldn't say I'm a, a diehard brony per se. I mean, I I, li- I love the show and I gained to, gain to really respect the show. Um, so I had an idea to do a song about bronies to to Mr. Lonely, the original Bobby Vinton song. And someone caught wind of that and they said, well, you've got to tie in the Akon 90s song. And I was like, I mean, I guess I could do it first. Before I knew it, I had done all the Akon song. I had written the whole thing out. And I said, okay, well, let's let's play with this. So that ended up, uh, I just I love the way it came out. Um, I gained so much respect for the uh, the group. Actually, I did a lot of research on Bronies and BronyCon. And as I was doing it, I realized BronyCon ended. Um, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic has ended. I met a ton of great friends. And I actually saw a college friend in one of the BronyCon videos. And it turns out that one of my college friends, who I used to sit on the band bus and write parodies with, was a brony in BronyCon. <laughs> so um, I actually I actually messaged him, and I'm like, hey, I just saw you in a BronyCon vid. And he's like, are you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to a couple. I'm like, so why were you watching? And I'm like, I was doing research for a video. He's like, oh, are you? St-? Like, this was just a couple weeks ago. He goes, oh, are you still writing parodies? I'm like, yeah, I just put out an album. <laughs> I was like, I've been doing this all year. You know? <laughs> so we uh, uh, got the... So actually, I was like, you know, do you remember that one song we wrote back in college? I said, I do want to do another album eventually. I said, you want to maybe resurrect some old stuff? So <laughs> nice. Now that we have, now that we have these connections, nerds. So well, congratulations. So yeah, um, so two songs, Mandalorian and Mr. Brony, and they, they're. I'm really proud of those two songs. I love the way they came out. The songs and the videos are amazing. I yeah, I really appreciate that. I. Uh, um, I try to, I try, I mean, I'm a very low budget filmmaker, um, but I try to come up with some unique things. I got, I kind of upped my green screen game on Brony, um, this time around. I really, uh, played with it to, to tie in what was actually happening behind me and do some stuff with it. But I, I love the way that Brony sounds. I, I love the, uh, the, the acapella that came out of it. And, um, once again, Austin just 
killed it. And then again, he tied in at the very end. I was going to go back to acapella. <laughs> See, you, can, you get me talking. I can just go. I was going to go back. I was going to go back to acapella at the end. He's like, I don't really think we should do acapella at the end. I've got an idea. And there again, he, you know, I can, I, during the silence when Austin's not on messenger, I can hear him tweaking at half an hour later. Can you, Comes back with it, and he had that little My Little Pony jingle at the end. And I'm like, dude, he did it again. <laughs> he took it and brought it to that next level. Yeah, he always does. I'm just like, oh, man. It like uh, Same same thing with the, the two that are coming That's out. Excellent. I mean, he always finds a way to, what's he going to do next? And I'm, I'm just going to send it to him and let him work his magic. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on. People do go out, watch those videos. They are wonderful. They're they're so enjoyable. Um, and, you know, I... I Play them often. My son runs around singing Mr. Brony now. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Jeff Whitmire, forty-seven. If you will. <laughs> um, so definitely go out and watch them. They're they're wonderful. Join us again sometime soon. Uh, would be love. We would love to have you. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. So so My Little Pony has they they all have beauty marks, right? Cutie marks. Cutie marks, thank you. Cutie yeah. marks. Cutie marks. Um, and and so, like, what are some of the cutie marks that that are on there? It's a rainbow. Like the, um, this rainbow star, dash. She, she, he rainbow has dash a rainbow. Like a, yeah. Um, do, Twilight Sparkle has of, the stars. Are, are any of them like? Are you? Are you? Do you? Do you know this? And you're asking me to see how much I know. What's going on here? <laughs> well, I mean, do any of them have like a have a really sad existence? And, and a sad story, so that I, like they have like a broken heart on as their as their cutie mark. Because next week we're talking about half a heart. I believe there was a whole plot. I believe there was a whole plot point where they lost their cutie marks um, because of events that had happened, and they had to earn them back. Um, and actually, um, the one of my favorite sequences. I, I, sometimes I, I, I happy accidents when I'm doing a video. I use the scene where Twilight Sparkle gets her cutie mark back. When I sing the line, um, you can kiss my cutie mark. So I, I do that. And I, as I'm doing that, you can actually see the cutie nice. mark hit. I was like, oh, <laughs> totally unplanned. <laughs> I was like, yes. I actually, yeah. I called my kids over. I'm like, you've got to see, see I, I feel like they stole that from Care Bears, though. Like, that's a Care Bear stale. Uh, yeah, with the yeah, the whole uh, the care symbols things. Yeah, that's so. So did they, well? Did they do because My Little Pony was out during that time? Oh, you know what? I mean, My Little Pony might have been. My Little Pony that. was around in the eighties. Hmm. Yeah, I there don't... are My Little. There, there was there was My Little Pony series is uh, a series in the eighties. So it could have been, the... been pretty close. To it. I, I will give credit to Care Bears though because Care Bears had sad characters. Care Bears had characters where That's they true. were like very where they had they were grumpy, they were sad, like. They they should have had one with half a heart though. Grumpy and sad, and didn't another movie do that decades before though? <laughs> <laughs> Sneezy bear. That's, that's right. Dog. It's all stolen from Disney. It's all, <laughs> Disney has had it had its. The, the, Smur, the Smurfs had a grumpy one too. So there's always a grumpy one. That's there's right. always a miserable one. <laughs> well, anyways, coming back to it, we're gonna be talking about half a heart next week. <laughs> that was a long way to go. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even realize you're on the transition. I'm like, oh, you were just chatting now, aren't we? I'm like, I, for I forget that you were leading this. <laughs> I got to get better at that. I got to get better at that. I got to work on that. 
<laughs> so join us for half a heart and have a great week. <laughs> Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe one. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.